Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 453 of the podcast. It's Carrie here. I hope our time together today helps you thrive in life and leadership. And if you're a gift giver, well, uh, Christmas is coming up. But for those of you who give corporate gifts, church gifts, that kind of stuff, uh, you're going to really love this. My guest is John Rulin, and we talk all about how people do it wrong. And uh, he's got me rethinking how I give gifts. This episode is brought to you by Remodel Health. You can get 50% off their health benefits analysis and learn how much you can save your team by using the promo code CARRY50 at remodelhealth.com slash analysis. And by Belay, get a free copy of their resource, 10 Tactics to Boost Productivity, by texting my name, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, to 55123. Well, I, I got to tell you, I hope you are enjoying this episode wherever you are. When you share it, it makes a big difference. When you rate and review it, it makes a huge difference. And uh, hey, just a small note, thank you to the many of you who reached out when I had a little crash on my bike. One of the things I do is listen to podcasts when I'm cycling. And uh, well, now I'm a real cyclist, right? Until you crash, uh, you are not really a cyclist. Yeah, hit a bit of sand, turning a corner, wiped out, got a beautiful case of road rash now, which is so much fun. Um, but it could have been a lot worse and everybody's safe and the bike is in the hospital getting uh, repaired right now. And I didn't end up in the hospital. Uh, but it's really nice to know <laughs> how much you guys appreciate and uh, support. I got so many messages from you going, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, my knee, not much skin left on that. And uh, around my elbow and upper arm. Uh, yeah, just some uh, some good scabs there. Uh, but I know a lot of you work out when you listen to this podcast. So stay safe out there. And uh, yeah, I'll go a little bit slower around that corner next time for sure. But hey, if you haven't left a rating or review on this podcast, or if you're brand new and you haven't subscribed yet, do so. And uh, your doing that allows us to do this every single week. So my guest is John Rulin. He is the founder of Giftology. He specializes in helping leaders give gifts to top clients, donors, and colleagues that they will remember for years to come. It is not what you think. Like he challenges almost every assumption I had about giving. And I like to give gifts. Um, yeah, I have since I was a kid. He explains why most leaders get it wrong and how to give gifts that build relationships and open doors, even when you have a small budget. What he says, if you have like 25 bucks to give a gift, it's, it's worth the price of admission. John is the world's leading authority in maximizing customer loyalty through radical generosity. He is the founder of Giftology. He's been featured in Fox News, Forbes, Fast Company, and the New York Times, and Inc., uh, while becoming a number one performer out of 1.5 million sales reps for a recognizable brand, he developed a system of using generosity to gain access to elite clients and generate thousands of referrals. He and his firm now help automate this process for individuals like UBS, Raymond James, Dr. Horton, Keller Williams, the Chicago Cubs, and Caesars Palace. John and the Giftology team can help any individual turn their clients into their own personal sales force to drive exponential growth. So uh, yeah, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Hey, do you remember when retirement benefits changed back in the 1980s? Pension plans kind of went out and 401k plans stepped in. Well, something very similar is happening right now with health benefits over the last decade. It's called Managed Individual, and it's replacing old group plans, just like 401ks replaced pension plans. It's simple, 
and it allows your employees to pick their plans and you save money and they get better benefits. Our podcast listeners have already saved 2.5 million, that's listeners of this podcast alone, $2.5 million in just the past 18 months making the switch and their teams have gotten way better coverage as a result. So um, if you want to check it out, they've got a deal for you right now. The health benefits analysis lets you get a full preview of what the change would look like for your team. So it's sort of a try before you buy. Normally, it's $35 per employee, but they're letting me give my listeners a 50% discount this month alone. So what you can do is go to remodelhealth.com analysis and at checkout, use the promo code CAREY50. That's C-A-R-E-Y-5-0, remodelhealth.com forward slash analysis to get that. And let's talk about productivity. We have talked about that a lot, but specifically, how do you maximize it, not in just yourself, but from your team, whether they work from home or in a brick and mortar office or both? But for leaders, it means changing the lens with which you view and even measure your employees' productivity. It's not just like, oh, they were here at eight and left at four. Today's work environment is substantially different than it was just a year ago. Uh, and for many, uh, I just saw this in Amazon recently, you know, they're not returning to how things have always been done. There's some permanent shifts going on. Now more than ever, productivity is measured by results whenever and wherever the work happens. So productivity can actually soar for a hybrid workforce. The key is for you as a leader to learn how to equip your team. That's why our friends at Belay want to help you. The incredible organization that is revolutionizing productivity with their virtual assistant, bookkeeping, and social media strategist services for growing organizations understands this. So they're offering their resource, 10 Tactics to Boost Productivity, to all of our podcast listeners. You can get your copy for free. All you have to do is text my name, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, to 55123. That's Carrie to 55123. You'll get your free resource on boosting team productivity. So with all that said, let's jump into my conversation with John Rulin. John, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you. Thanks for having me, Kerry. Yeah, yeah. We've been uh, trying to set this up for a long time, so it's nice to actually make it happen. So um, we're going to talk about giving gifts, which seems like a strange leadership subject, except it's something every single human does and almost every leader does at one point or another. Let's start here. How, how do we get it wrong? What is wrong about our gift giving? Well, I think the understanding of what gifting even even means, I think, is a, is a great place to start is people think, well, my love language isn't gifts or I'm a, I'm a leader. I can delegate that. And what they don't realize is that a gift, if you look at the Old Testament, a gift was representative of the value you placed on the relationship. So it wasn't even really about the thing. But you, you know, a king would give another king, a, you know, a thousand head of cattle based upon the value of the relationship. So it's really not about right. gifting. This is a topic of if you, if relationships matter to you, if you have employees that you need to engage, if you have clients that matter, if you have a congregation, if you have people all the time, like when we spoke at Google, they're like, John, like, does, does this really even work in technology? Like, why should we care at Google? And I said, well, are there human huh. beings here? And they're like, well, yeah. And I said, well, then it works. That's how, like, whether you believe in a God or not, that's how God's wired us is that when you show up for people in uncommon ways and love on those relationships, whether that's your spouse, whether that's your assistant, whether that's your 200 investors, people think, oh, gifting, it's a check the box at Christmas. And so what I think people get wrong is they don't understand that what they're communicating when they don't do it well is that relationship, that person doesn't matter to me because I didn't put time, energy, and effort into showing up for that relationship. And so they're literally spending money 
oftentimes in a tangible form, to show somebody that I don't know you, I don't care about you, and you don't matter. Now, Hmm. they never get that feedback. You never get the note from the investor or the employee saying, I worked for you for the last 10 years. That's 20,000 hours. And you gave me a polo shirt with with the company logo on it. Or you gave me a gift card for $50 from Amazon and told me to go buy my own gift. And so (laughs) what people don't understand is that if relationships and leadership matter to you, then this is one of those little things that like I, I was texting with somebody the other day and they're like, man, like I gave them some feedback, this big coaching organization. And they're like, you're a genius. And I'm like, I'm not a genius. I just, I'm tapping into this little tiny thing that people don't think that it matters. And because of that, like it's the little hinge that can swing a big door. Like, so if you're like struggling with getting referrals in, in your company, or if you're struggling with retention, or if you're struggling with any sort of relationship building, I would, add, I would challenge people and say, are you showing up for people? And it's not just gifting, like words of affirmation is a gift. You know, quality time is a gift, but a lot of these things we don't do well. And so Gary Chapman's a, a friend and a mentor of mine. And, you know, people are like, oh, that's a Christian marriage book. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, we take those same principles and apply them to business and, you know, for-profit and even non-for-profit relationships because how we love on people, how we show up for people matters. Hmm. What are or what is some of the best gifts or the best gift that you feel like you've ever received personally? Um, so I would say um, what what's interesting with, the t- with that question is, is, um, guys are the, are always asked for the what, cause we're visual, right? Like we want to know right, what's cool, right. what's sexy, what's new. Like when we go to Chick-fil-A, we point to the menu and we kind of grunt, like, I want that. Cause that's how <laughs> we're wired. But, it, and this is a, a bit of a stereotype, but women in general understand that the what isn't what is the most important. It's all the details. It's like the packaging, the timing, the handwritten note, the, the bow, all of the little things is what makes something yeah. feel special and land. And so when people say, what's the cool gift? I'm like, that's the seventh step in the process. Understanding ah. who you're giving it to matters more. What, what, what makes them tick? Are they married? Do they have kids? Like we call that the inner circle. Like most people in business want to say, focus on, oh, this guy likes golf. And I'm like, I don't care what he likes. Is he married? And like, what does that have mm-hmm. to do with him? And I'm like, you're going to give him, you know, a golf bag for $500. I'd rather do something that he takes home to his family and his wife. And they're like, why would you do that? And I'm like, because she's never included in the trips to Pebble Beach. She's not included in the trip to Mexico and the boondoggle to Pebble Beach and all this other stuff. I'm like, I want to show up for the people around the people. And so I, like one of my favorite gifts, I used to make fun of as the worst gift. And that was a mug, co- corporate coffee mug. People are like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to give a water bottle a mug. I'm like, we can only drink out of one mug at a time. And most of them are like 10 bucks from China with a logo on them. I'm like, that's the worst money you could spend. Here's, you did 50 grand with us or you donated money to us. Here's a mug that you're never going to use. You're going to end up at Goodwill. Um, and then this artist made what's called an artifact mug for me and for my wife. They're two grand each. Now, what's interesting. So $2,000 each. A piece. And people are like, John, for a mug, that's stupid. And I'm like, I have mentors that I've given these to that are like, John, my $25,000 Rolex or $50,000 whatever you know, like people wear, you know, like really nice watches in business and whatever else. And I'm, and my mentors reached out to me and said, John, I cried when I got your mug and I would trade this for my $50,000 watch. 
And the reason they're two grand is carved into this piece is somebody's core values, tragedies overcome, faith, family. It's like a lifetime achievement award in this functional piece of art. And then the, the artist sends it in a box with a video screen and the artist talks about why this piece was created. I just gave one out last week at a YPO event. The guy was the former COO of the Ritz Carlton. He's running all, he owns all these resorts in Turks and Caicos. What could you give him that he can't go buy for himself? Nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. He could and buy 10 it. Rolexes. Yeah. He can buy 10 Rolexes. He can buy his own Tesla or 10 Teslas or, you know, a thousand knife sets or whatever. So you're not going to outspend the person, you know, in corporate America or even donors at charities or churches. And so most people just mail it in. They don't do anything or they do lame stuff with logos on it. And so when I gave, I, I surprised him from the stage. We were keynoting this YPO event. And at the end, I talk about like, this is what it looks and feels like firsthand. And then I put the artist up on the screen and I pull out this mug. Of course, half the audience is crying. He's getting teared up mm-hmm. over a stupid mug. Well, the mug is just the delivery vehicle for the emotion. And when he saw his family and his dad and all of these different stories come to life on this piece, now every, every time he uses this, guess who, who he's going to think about? He's going to think about me. He's going to think about the person who asked me to make it for him. He's going to think about his family. He's going to think about his dad. He's going to be reminded of his why, what matters. And, and so now all of a sudden two grand looks really cheap compared to, Hey, I spent 10 grand to take somebody to the Super Bowl or I spent five grand to take somebody to Pebble Beach on this crazy trip. So what we really try to under, get people to understand is if you're investing in experiences at this level 10, you know, like n- nobody takes their best clients or donors to McDonald's. They take them to Morton's or they take them to Pebble Beach mm. or the Masters. But most people don't understand that the physical realm should be the same level. Like you giving somebody some Amazon gift card or some Bose headphones with a logo on it. Like, why would you do this at a level 10 and this at a level two? Why would you do this at a Ritz Carlton and then the gifting at a Motel 6 level? It's not congruent as a leader. So, so most people are used to doing this over here. That becomes noise because everybody, you know, Luis Palau and everybody, John Maxwell, where do they have their events at? They have them at like Sun River up in Oregon or, you know, they go to Africa or like, Everything's done this level. And then the physical thing is like, hey, you gave a million dollars. Here's a notebook. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? It doesn't make any sense. But nobody's ever challenged his people and says, I thought, let, you know, you sent me a $20 bottle of wine. And I thought less of you as a human because you don't even realize I don't even drink wine. Or right. like, like right. people are spending money to offend their relationships, but nobody ever calls them out on it because it feels rude. But they think it. They feel it. And so that's the, that's the rub. That's the challenge. All right. I want to show you something. I haven't done this on a podcast. I'll be back in like 10 seconds. Hang on. Yeah. I've got... I'm very fortunate, for those of you who are watching via YouTube, to have a very thoughtful couple in my life. Justin and Sarah, I've known them since they were teenagers. Ended up hiring them both when I led a church. Uh, Sarah works with me now. Justin's still at the church. They eventually got married. And just great people. And when I stepped out of leadership at Connexus Church, it's so funny because I hadn't thought about it preparing for this. But as you're going through that riff, my mind goes to this. So this is a piece of wood. It looks like oak. It's beautiful. and It's got seven words on it. Mm. And what Sarah and Justin did when I wrapped up 20 years of ministry is they talked all to all the elders who served on the board with me. And they all had to write one word that described me. 
And then they had them, you can barely see it, you won't be able to see it, but they're they're imprinted, engraved into here. So you see intentional, um, faithful, loved, inspiring. And then there's a little note that goes with everything with, you know, who wrote what. And it's beautiful. I don't know, this might've cost 20 bucks, 50 bucks, it doesn't matter. If it was $3, I don't care. It's like, and I, it was more than that, but- this I'm going to carry around with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, because the story and what it represents. I see the difference? It represents. It's like that is that is decades with some of the finest people I've ever had the opportunity to work with. And it's just so precious to me. They also, a few years ago, got me, and anybody who watches my studio stuff anytime will notice the world map. That came from Justin and Sarah. And uh, it came with a bunch of pins. And it's everywhere I have traveled to or spoken in the world which has been fairly dormant for the last year and a half, but I'm sure I'll add some more pins to that in the future. So you're saying that kind of gift is way better than a watch or even, you know, and I've listen, I've been guilty of most of the mistakes that you are talking about on this podcast and we'll talk about on this podcast, but you know, even an Apple product, it's like, eventually you probably have an iPad. You, you, you will get a new one anyway. It doesn't really stick with you. No. Yeah. I mean, we don't even call them gifts anymore because gift gets lumped in with like fruit basket or, you know, tchotchke or promotional item. That's what people think of when they think of gifts. And I'm like, mm. I, we use the word artifact or love bomb mm. or like, mm. I want people to understand that like, this isn't like a woo woo, warm, fuzzy, check the box. Like this is like a real relationship strategy. And, you know, the, you know, the first thing on that wood, wood piece, intentionality, being intentional. Most people are intentional with so many other parts of their business or personal life. But for whatever reason, like gifting and gratitude and generosity feel like this, oh, afterthought. And they don't realize that like it's a really, you know, like if you're from, from a faith perspective, God was the ultimate, you know, Jesus was the ultimate gift giver. And mm. we talk about that in sermons and we'll give, but we don't understand that like, you know, like in Proverbs 18, 16, like a gift ushers you before kings. Like this is like a legitimate, I didn't invent it. I happened to put a bow on it and kind of like repolish it for 2021. Mm. But I mean, these are like the, the things that we're talking about um, because people matter and how we show up for people matter. And, and yeah, it's not the dollars. People think that they can write a big check and make it all go away. And that's not that's not uh, that's not how relationships work. It's not just cutting the check. It's it's being really thoughtful and creative with what you're doing with relationships. Let's talk about swag because uh, you know, given what I do with this podcast and the other stuff I do, I get a lot of swag. So I get t-shirts, mm. I get mugs, and you're right. Ninety nine percent of the time, they have the logo of the sending organization on them. What is the challenge or the the problem with that? Well, a gift by its very nature is recipient focused. Like you'd never go to your best friend's wedding and on the Tiffany's vase, you know, compliments of Remax or, you know, like, <laughs> you know, compliments of Morgan Stanley or Ernst & Young. Like it just, it, that feels tacky. Like we'd never do that in our personal lives, but in business we do it because, well, what we're really trying to do is manipulate the situation. We're trying to turn that other person into a billboard for us. We're trying to get them to advertise for us which is not a gift. That's a manipulation. And the other person, especially when you're dealing with affluent people, like nobody in America really in the Western society needs more crap. They don't need more stuff. Like our houses right. are bursting with stuff. 
So when you send a, you know, your book launch and you send something to somebody with your logo on it or your church launch or whatever, especially when you're the people that you really want to influence, they're thinking, are you serious? Like I'm supposed to wear this polo shirt? Now, maybe you will once a year out of obligation. I call it gift guilt. But mm. if you really want somebody to value something, it needs to be best in class. It needs to not be some junk from China with, you know, the cheapest possible. It needs to be quality. It needs to be something that they don't already have. Or if it is something they already have, like if you give a, you know, a, you, you spend $500 on this beautiful fossil watch and you give it to somebody that has a Rolex on their wrist, what's going to happen? There's no way they're going to replace the Rolex or the Brightening right. or that what an Apple watch with that either. So it needs to be better than what the person currently has. So I think people haven't put a strategy in place with their swag and they think, why well, I'm, I'm launching something. I have a church. I have a company. I got to do this. And it's like, no, you don't. Um, you, it, it's better to be really thoughtful and say, Hey, these, I might have 10,000 relationships, but these are the thousand that I really want to influence and go all in on a smaller number, go all in on personalizing it. Even if you're sending the same knife set, you know, we do a ton with Cutco knives. We'll send out. A thousand or ten thousand knife sets, but guess what? There's no logo on them. They're always personalized to the family, to the spouse, maybe a Bible verse, something that makes it personal to the human. And if you do it really well, subconsciously, like I tell people all the time, if I give you a Rolex, I don't have to put giftology on it for you to remember where it came from. If you do a best in class functional practical gift, even as swag, but you personalize it to the person, now all of a sudden they're like, wow, I want to use this because this was made just for me. This was made for me, the individual. This wasn't pulled out of some closet somewhere. Oh, crap, Gary's coming to town. I guess I got to give him something. That's how most people do their swag and their trinkets. Hey, we have a big event. Let's order 10,000 notebooks. That's a waste of resources um, because right. nobody feels special when they're looking around and everybody's got the same swag bag of a bunch of junk with logos on it. That doesn't make people feel special. Whereas if you send something that's really nice, one thing with somebody's name on it, now, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this, this was made just for me. This was made just for my wife or my husband. That's how you can like, spend less money, but you can actually affect and impact relationships. I want to come back to spending less money because you make a good point. You make it in your book, Giftology, as well, which is a great primer on gift giving. Um, that you know, if your budget's 50 bucks, you can actually do something really meaningful. Or if it's 20 bucks, you can do something meaningful. So I want to put a pin in that and come back to it. But Let's talk about Cutco Knives for a minute, okay? This has come up like too many times on this podcast. I don't know whether I have interviewed everybody who's ever sold Cutco Knives or had a relationship with them. I think it was Mike Arietta, right? You know Mike, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Mike, Mike was big into Cutco Knives as a kid, and it gave him a real hand up into the yeah. business world. But um, we were talking about this before we hit record. Um, Scott Harrison when he launched his book, Thirst, uh, thank me for helping get the word out and, you know, and I'm pretty sure it was you who helped him with that, but I got a nice uh, set of two Cutco knives, a really nice like kitchen knife, butcher knife, and then a small bread knife. And they're inscribed to me and Tony and the family with a date. And we use them every single day. Like, it's amazing. That, that did not go down the street. Talk about why a kitchen knife, I want to say a simple kitchen knife, but it's not like a $10,000 knife. It's not, no. it's not some Japanese rarity. It's a, it's a knife that, that is inscribed to me. Why is that such a powerful gift? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, 
What's beautiful in 2021 is that whether you make 50 grand a year or $5 million a year, there's certain things that are common amongst human beings. And the reason a lot of times people center things are centers around conferences and breaking bread and food and dinner and taking people out to nice dinners is that it's, it's about as universal as it gets. Like, you know, whether yeah. it was the last supper or whether it's 2021, like breaking bread with humans, people, your inner circle, people that you love. If you're recruiting somebody to your company, if you're, if you're building a relationship with donors, like it always centers around food and drink because that's u- unique amongst human beings, right? Always. Always. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. so when I'm looking for, you know, thoughtfulness at scale, I need to be able to tap into what's common amongst human beings. And so when I interned with Cutco, the knife company, I didn't know what Cutco was, but they're like, they're not like the $10,000 per knife company, but they're handmade. They're kind of like the Rolex. They're not, you know, they're high end, they're, they're quality, but I need something that I can send out to whether it's 50 people or 5,000 people that every single human is going to be able to use functionally. Like we don't need more stuff. I talked about that. And so to this, so I interned with Cutco and I pitched my girlfriend's dad giving away because he was always giving things away. And I thought maybe he would give away um, pocket knives, you know, these hundred dollar pocket knives right. that Cutco made. And he was like, I want to order a couple hundred of the pairing knives. And he was in a, a law firm owner. And I'm like, Paul, you want to give yeah. a bunch of dudes kitchen tools? Why? And he said, in 35 years, the reason I have more referrals, deal flow, access, loyalty, all these things is I found out if you pour into the family, everything else takes, takes care of itself. So I realized that when I could send, whether it was one knife for a couple hundred dollars or whether, you know, a full Cutco set with cookware and silverware is like 12 grand. I wow. realized when I sent one piece or 12, you know, $12,000 full set, people would use it. And in business, we're all trying to be like trusted and top of mind. Like if we want referrals, we want people to be thinking about us, right? It doesn't matter the industry. And the idea of somebody using something every single day with their family in their inner circle, it's one of the most valuable, like owning the countertop space is like that one square foot of space is what some of the most valuable real estate on the planet. And so I started to pitch the knives as like, I, I was like, I own this gifting agency. I didn't talk about the knives, but when I would do what I would do, the owners would be like, oh my gosh, instead of ordering jackets or watches or plaques or whatever, um, you mean I can like, I could send out whether it's one knife or a full set to my employees or clients. And I'm like, yep. And we'll personalize them. We'll handwrite the notes, all that. And they're like, you could do all of that. And so by the time, you know, Cutco's worked with like 2 million sales reps over 70 years. We became their number one out of 2 million by the time I was a senior in college because I was, I was showing people how it wasn't a knife company. Yeah, we use knives, but it was understanding the psychology of relationship building. And so we started to get referred to pro sports teams and, you know, charities like, you know, charity water. And like, it just, I was going to go to med school. That's why I interned with Cutco out of desperation. But I realized that nobody was talking about this relationship building. And I was really just modeling my girlfriend's dad, who was this yeah, How did you amazing... figure that out? How did oh, you figure well, that out, John? Like at a college age to figure out the psychology of gifting is not typical. No, well, desperation. I mean, I grew up milking goats on a farm. I was one of six kids, 47 acres in Ohio. So I didn't have money and I didn't have access. And so, but I saw, you know, I was going to Malone University, small Christian liberal arts college. Ironically enough, my business partner now is the chairman of the board of trustees there. Um, at the time, I was like, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to pay for the school because I didn't ha- take out any loans. But I was desperate. And I think that um, the one thing that God's blessed me with is the ability to see the angle. And I saw Paul, who was 60, I'm 20, 
but I saw how relationships just flocked to him. Like he was a magnet for deal flow and opportunities. And it was because of how generous he was. And I saw how people like he bought all those knives from Cutco. Well, here's what he did. He gave them to me and said, go meet this business owner who owns a, a 200 person lumber yard and tell them whether they buy or not, Paul wanted you to have a piece. So he transferred his social capital to me, delivering these gifts, which he didn't have to buy, he didn't have to do. So I think that um, when you're desperate and you're looking to like get out of poverty and you're looking to pay for school, I was like connecting the dots and I'm like, wow, that felt really good. Or wow, that door got opened. Or wow, I helped that company generate a hundred times more referrals. Um, and so I think it was, you know, over the course of years of watching how people flock to me or flock to Paul or, you know, flock to a Scott Harrison or whatever. I was like, this is you know, like, this is an area of opportunity that nobody's talking about, but it was really born out of necessity of like, I didn't want to sell one set of knives. I wanted to sell 10,000 sets of knives and, you know, a, a normal human could only buy one set, but a business owner or a nonprofit, they had hundreds or thousands of relationships. And so it's, um, you know, it's been 21 years of that. I mean, the book didn't come out until five years ago. Like it took me 16 years to get it in book form because I had to not get, you know, fall on the ground and, oh, that didn't work that way. That didn't, you know, doing it this way didn't work. Um, so it's been a process. It's been a 20 year process. What would you say to people who are, cause you have a lot of not-for-profit church leaders listening right now. And I read a stat recently, like it's still, I think close to half of all church budgets are still under a quarter million dollars. So pretty crazy. Um, Not a whole lot of money to go around. What would you say to people like that who want to be grateful for some of the top volunteers, top donors, or people that they're meeting? What is a good way for them to say thank you? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, something I do for my team, you know, we're not a big company, but I think that, um, you know, if you work for a company or a church and they cover your health insurance or 401k, like nobody's bragging about like the things that cost a church or an organization a lot of money. It might cost you 10 grand a person for health insurance or, you know, 401k or whatever else. Like that's 10 grand per person or five grand per person or 20 grand per person. What I realized is that I need to figure out ways that are creative that show like I understand and see that person as a human. And so something we started eight years ago is we started to pay for house cleaning for every every employee that we had. And mm-hmm. it costs us a couple grand a person. And it gives us like 50 grand in value because the person would never go do that for themselves. They'd never go hire a cleaner, house cleaner. It feels right. frivolous. It feels ridiculous. But it gives them time back with their kids, their hobbies, their spouse. It's like one of the best things that we do. So I, I sometimes think people see giftology in our client list and they think, oh, that's only for rich people or only that's only for rich right, organizations. Right. And the exact opposite's true. Like I'm David going up against Goliath. Like I'm competing against Fortune 50 companies and I can't, I can't outspend them, but I can be more thoughtful and more creative. So what I would say is with the church, hey, any nonprofit that comes to us, doesn't matter the size, I say, hey, go to your most entrepreneurial donor and get them to fund a special project to appreciate key donors. That way the donor who's receiving the amazing gift doesn't feel awkward and uncomfortable around it. It's like, hey, this was underwritten to be able to show appreciation to our top people. It's the same yeah, reason we've done that, that in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you see like Luis Palau doesn't pay for the weekend at Sundance or whatever. 
a generous donor co- covers the full half million dollars. Why? Because they know that they'll raise five million bucks there. So they just got a 10x return on their investment. Well, a church or a nonprofit or anybody that goes to an entrepreneurial donor would love, like entrepreneurial donors, like I love when I can invest 50 grand and see an immediate 10x return. Hmm. I, you know, like it's just as an entrepreneur, I love to put a dollar in and oh, get yeah. $10 yeah, back that's out. What you're saying. Yeah. And so I think that being creative about whether it's at, at a church, if you go to one of your wealthier, you know, guys or gals that own a company or support the church or the organization and say, hey, we want to take care of all of our volunteers. Would you consider underwriting something special? And then figure out like what's important to those volunteers or those donors. Like maybe it's house cleaning. Maybe it's, you know, something with their kids. Like I think that, you know, maybe they have pets. Like the amount of times where I've spent a hundred dollars on somebody's pet and it was like I gave them like a hundred thousand dollar gift. Hundred bucks. Mm. Why? Because most people take care of their pets better than they take care of themselves. There's nothing they wouldn't do for their pet. And you give them like a custom leather collar with it or a pillow or a, like somebody sent me a, a Yeti dog bowl. It, it can't be more than 50 bucks, but it has my dog's you know name on it. My kids thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and you're not giving that away. Yeah. And I'm not giving it away. It says now on it. It's, it's like, and my wife was like, what a thoughtful gift. We get a lot of stuff yeah. coming our direction. So, <laughs> so I think, so it's, it's, it's being thoughtful and creative and putting yourself in the other person's shoes and saying, what would they never do for themselves? Maybe it's your volunteers that are, it's like, you know, for all of our employees, I can't expect Ritz Carlton or Four Seasons Service if they've never stayed there. So part of working right. for us is them and their spouse get to go to the Four Seasons or the Ritz on us. Why? A, it's a cool perk that they'd never do for themselves. It's a few hundred dollars. It's nothing. But now mm. they experience what it's like. So maybe it's, you know, it's saying, hey, you know, these people that are working with us and, and like they're giving their time and energy and talent, like if we had to hire those people. It cost us a lot of money. Let's just spoil them one, you know, one night out of the year at the, the, the hotel that's a five star hotel or, you know, take them to a restaurant they'd never go buy for themselves. Or it's, I think it's, it's being more thoughtful and creative than they would even do for themselves. And when you can do that now, like, everybody has rough days and challenges. And, you know, like when you're volunteering, like you're like, anybody cares, anybody notice you need to create those anchor points of like, yeah, they do see me. This sucks sometimes, but Mm -hmm. they do see me. They do care about me. And, and I think that if you can be strategic with that, then all of a sudden, like there's a ripple effect of, you know, not people not getting burnt out and and whatever else, because they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel understood. And that's really at the end of the day, all any of us want, I don't care who you are, or what level you're at. Like we want to be treated like a human being and not a number. Yeah, I think that's so, so great. And I would encourage leaders because I've done this before, you know, when I ran, a, when I was in charge of the church, when I was the lead pastor, you sometimes, if you want to do something special, you can get a key donor to underwrite it so that people who get, you know, that special treatment that night out, the big event or whatever, don't feel guilty about participating because you are dealing with donated dollars. So that you can do. Second thing I would say, just to just to push this a little bit further, let's say there's somebody listening who says, great, I've enjoyed this, you know, high level conversation, but I have 25 bucks. Like that is my budget and my board won't budge. What would you say to the person who says, you know, I got to give 10 gifts and I have $25 a pop? How do you, how do you maximize it at that level? I would say, so... We want when somebody hires our agency to do all their gifting for them. One of the prerequisites of the recipe 
is we ha- a handwritten note has to go out, whether it's one gift or 10,000 gifts. Wow. And people will push back and say, ah, we don't want to pay for that. Oh, we're not going to do that. And I'm like, well, then we won't work with you. And they're like, come on, we want to order this many gifts. I'm like, nope. And they're like, why? And I'm like, the handwritten note is, is important, if not more important than what you're giving. Because wow. the handwritten note is what provides the meaning, the thoughtfulness, the context of what you're, of the appreciation. And if something just shows up out of the blue from Amazon, it feels automated. It doesn't feel special. Like the, a lot of these people can buy their own thing. So if you only have $25, I would say save the money and take an hour and write the nicest, most thoughtful handwritten note that you can write to that person. And if you want them to cry, if you want to cry, go read it to them in person. There's been all kinds of studies done on gratitude. And as human beings, the way God's wired us is if somebody really pours out their heart to us in person and reads off this note, that note will become more valuable than just about anything else that they own, especially if it's coming from somebody that they look up to and respect. And so I know I keep handwritten notes from all kinds of different people. It's one of the few things I do keep. I'm actually not a stuffed person. My wife laughs. She's yeah. like, you, like, to give me a gift is really difficult because I'm not a things person. I'm a words of affirmation and I have physical touch. Love, my love language isn't even gifts. So when people push back and like, John, you're just naturally good at this. I'm like, I'm actually naturally not good at this. I've just, because out of desperation and you know God's grace, I've been really good at it because I focused on it for 20 years. And I, you know, I call it the gratitude muscle. Anybody can be really good at this if they want, you know, tell people all the time, if you put half as much time into this as you did your fantasy football league, you'd become a great world-class gift giver. But most people don't, especially dudes, guys are the worst at this because they think they can just check the box, outsource it, delegate, delegate it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand that this is like, a, you know, even when the, somebody hires us, I'm like, this is a partnership. I need you to be fully on board with this or else this isn't going to work. So I, I would say, because I've seen people where they've given, I had a buddy comp this $25,000 speech for an organization. The organizer wrote a handwritten note, good thing, put a $25 Amazon gift card in to say thank you for the speech. And my friend was like, live it. Now he never told the organizer. He's like, I will never go speak for them again. It was because insulting. Because he said no to a $25,000 fee. He said no to a $25,000 fee and he ins- like, here's your $25 Amazon gift card. It was like basically like pouring salt in the wound. It was like insulting. It's like, are you... What are you doing? <sighs> and people do that. Like, here's, I'm going to buy you a cup of coffee. Here's your $5, you know, Starbucks gift card. Really? I can buy my own cup of coffee. But a handwritten note yeah. that's really thoughtful is delivered in person. So it's, uh, so I, I would say save the, put the money somewhere else. Take the time. That's not scalable. Write the note. And if you want to take it up a notch, read it to the, the 10 people in person. And uh, just prepare yourself, bring a box of tissues. Because if you put the right time into writing the note, there's likely going to be some tears. Wow. You know, if I can just amplify that for a moment, you took me back to like 25 years ago when I started out in ministry. And when our church started to grow, I used to get questions from churches in the neighborhood, in the county, and they would say, hey, can you come talk to our elders? So that time money was super tight in our family. You know, we had two young kids. I was just starting out just graduated, making next to nothing at the churches. 
And like, I did have to think about gas money and that kind of stuff, but I never got paid for any of that stuff. But I would go speak to elders. They'd give me, if I was lucky on a good day, a $20 gas card, you know, to cover the gas. And that would be about it. And you know, it would have been much more valuable because you can always, you know, the gas money wasn't neither here nor there. I don't think I ever heard from one of them a thank you Mm. for the time investment or a handwritten note to follow up, even more meaningful to let me know, hey, we're really wrestling down this idea that you're hearing. And and you're right. And they didn't have a lot of money either. So I wasn't expecting, you know, oh, here's a night at the Ritz-Carlton. I still haven't stayed at the Ritz-Carlton. I will change that one day because I know Horst Schultz. But, you know, I still haven't (laughs) stayed there. But I I just, like, you're right. That would have been so much more meaningful than the card or the, the gas card, like to have just a handwritten note of follow up. Um, something that shows the human spirit. But I know as a leader that uh, that means I got to take some time, means I have to pour my heart into it, means I have to be focused. It can't be token. And it's going to cost me in time and cost me in energy. But that is where all the good stuff happens. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk. Gosh, this has been good. Um, by the way, the I word token, to tell- by the word, the word token is a swear word in my house. There you go. You can't say token gift, right? Yeah. Oh, like, here's my token of my appreciation, which basically means I, I'm going to give you a lame, sucky, unthoughtful gift. And I want to <laughs> put content like t- no, you never call a relationship a token relationship. Why would you call it a token of your appreciation? It basically means <laughs> I'm giving you a sucky, cheap, unthoughtful gift. Which I, I, the word token, like the words that people use matter, right? I mean, it's like, and so when yeah. they're writing their notes, it's like they don't put time and energy into the note. And then they don't put time and energy into what they're giving. And then they make an excuse for giving us like, I, I hate the word token. It's like when people want to, when people give us verbiage for a handwritten note, I'm like big old red X on that. I'm like, we got to use a different word. Artifact of appreciation, something that says this matters. Like the word token, gone. <laughs> okay, that's good advice. Tell the Brooks Brothers story. That mm. is such a powerful story. If I can just give you a prompt. Yeah, of because one of the, and let me let me context this. So uh, when I was on Craig Rochelle's podcast, we've talked about it here from time to time. A lot of leaders are trying to open doors. Like, gosh, how do I get some time with John Rulin? How do I get time with the CEO? How can I have some time with this pastor I really admire or this author? And of course, they get pitched every day, all day long. So, do you mind telling the Brooks Brothers story? No, I, I love that. I mean, it's it's. Um, I keep trying to one up myself. In the last 14 years since it, since I did it, because it's uh, it's you know it's paid such crazy dividends. So long and short of it is, I went to an event, heard somebody speak, and he was one of the top business coaches in the world. His name Cameron Harold, and he's coaching like the Sheikh of Qatar, and he drew 1-800 got junk from two million to 127 million. It was an EO uh, event, like YPO, and I re- right. I realized he was coming to our local chapter. I was living in Ohio at the time, like four months from that date to speak, and I'm like the night. And before, how old are you at this time? I'm 20, uh, I'm 27. So it's 14 years ago. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I invite him to the Cavs game and to Morton's the night before thinking we're going to have this great night and he's, we're going to high five. You know, he's going to be my brother. That's what like I was thinking. And his response was the most underwhelming response ever. He's like, I don't have anything else going on. I guess I'll go. And so in my head, I'm thinking, Dodge, I'm like, everybody does dinners, ball games, rounds of golf, cigars, wine. Like in business, everybody follows the same playbook of we're going to do some experiential thing. And I'm like, Cameron's going to go on a hundred of these dinners. That's why he doesn't care. 
So and he's been to a few opening games with the Cavaliers oh, and so on and so he, forth. Like yeah, he's been at every front row. So you got opening day tickets. It's like the Super Bowl to you. To him, it's like another Tuesday night, right? Yeah, nobody cares. And and frankly, when you're dealing with people that are affluent leaders, they fly private or they fly first class. They get access to front row everything all the time. So that's not the way to be like, oh my gosh, wow. So I'm like, Cameron, what else are you going to do when you're in town? He said, I'm going to go shopping. I'm thinking, I mean, this is maybe my angle. And I said, uh, where at? And he's like, well, I'm from Canada. There's not a ton of Brooks Brothers in Canada. I'm going to go there and the dollar's really weak. I'm going to go shopping. I said, great. I'm a Jose Bank guy. What's your shirt size? I want to send you a shirt. And he looks at me kind of bewildered, like, does this guy have a man crush on me? Like, who asked another man within two minutes of meeting their shirt size? Um, <laughs> but he actually told me. And so... Long story short, I leave there, call my business partner, run this idea past him. My business partner's like, that's the dumbest idea ever, no way. So I'm like, yeah, it's too expensive. So a couple months go by, the day Cameron's going to fly in, he starts texting me, my flight's delayed, do you just want to cancel? And I'm like, he's trying to get out of the dinner and the ball game. Yeah. I said, no. I said, whenever you get in, we'll just go for drinks. He's like, okay, fine. So I call my partner back. I'm like, Rod, we have to do this thing. You could change our business for forever. And he's like, do you believe in it enough that if it doesn't work, it all comes out of your personal draw? And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. I said, yeah, I do believe in it enough. He's like, okay, I think it's stupid, but go for it. So I, I drive, before he can change his mind, I jump in the Suburban, drive an hour up to Brooks Brothers in Cleveland. I put down the Amex and I said, I want one of everything in the new fall collection, all your jackets, suits, belts, pants, everything. They think I'm joking. I'm like, with a deadpan face, I'm like, I wish I was, I want it all. So they go to ring it up. It's $7,000 in clothes. And I'm sweating bullets. I'm freaking out. Load up the Suburban, go to the Ritz, ask for the GM. I'm like, one of the top business coaches in the world's coming to town. Do you want to do something amazing? Of course, that's the Ritz. They say, sure. So we merchandise this hotel room to look like a Brooks Brothers store. Jackets, suits, belts, pants. And I'm not a big drinker, but I'm so nervous. I'm down in the lobby bar drinking like a triple on the rocks. I'm just freaking out. Because my partner, who just bought half the company, by the way, he's like the CFO. He's chiming in my ear. He said, I think you're a stalker. This is the worst idea ever. I can't believe you did this. So Cameron gets in. You can tell he doesn't want to go to dinner. He wants to go to bed. I said, Cameron, take your time. Take a shower. Come down whenever you're ready. And he comes back down. And his eyes are like the size of silver dollars. He's like, John, whatever you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about it. I've never had anybody that's made me feel the way you made me feel. He said, so we went to the, we went to dinner. We skipped the game entirely. And, um, I, I, after that point, for the next, you know, 10 years, I continued to send him gifts. I did, you know, the full $12,000 knife set. I, I invested 25 grand in that relationship. And people are like, why did you stop? You had him at Brooks Brothers. And I'm like, two reasons. One is when you show up for people because you wanted to, not because you had to, it shows your true colors. It shows that you're really in their corner. And if I wanted to hire Cameron for, as a sales rep, for, if I paid him $2 million for one year, he would say no. I don't need your money. Right. But what's interesting is he's, when I was begging to speak for free seven years ago, my first 10, 15, 20, 30, $40,000 speaking gigs, where when he got double booked, guess who was the first person he referred? It was me. Ah, there you go. Every client, hundreds of CEOs, guess who they referred immediately? Guess who oh, he's you need, you need You have some gifts. You got to talk to John, right? Yeah, yeah. You want to build a relationship with your employees. You need more referrals. You're growing too fast. Talk to Ruland. So like the return, like people measure ROI and I'm like in business, the most powerful thing that eats ROI for breakfast is ROR. And they're like, what's ROR? I'm like, return on relationship. Camp, mm. The ROR of that relationship is multi seven figures. 
I'll, I'll invest 25 grand to make, I'm not a mathematician, but that's a 50X ROR. Anyone would buy that stock. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. And so uh-huh. when, you can, when you can inspire, not through incentives, people are like, oh, I, have to, I want to do a referral program. I'm like, we don't do referral programs. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, are you in the transaction or the relationship business? Of course, everybody says they're in the relationship business. I'm like, right. if you give gifts after referrals, that's a tit for tat. If you give gifts only when you hit a bonus or a certain dollar amount, that's not a gift. That's an incentive. And so when you can pour into your relationships because you wanted to, because you chose to, it's like when you show up for your wife on anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas, those are table stakes. You show mm. up for your wife on random Tuesdays with a spa package, they're like, what's going on? Why? Because you switched the timing. You chose to do it. So the Brooks Brothers experience is a great example. People are like, oh, we can never do seven grand. I'm like, yeah, you could. You'll like, you're spending money on marketing or you'll hire, like I see company owners and even- Yeah, you'll pastors. spend money on Facebook ads. All day uh-huh. long. People will hire an yeah. extra two employees and add an extra $100,000 in overhead to a small company. Two employees, right. 100 grand. Right. And I'll ask them, and, you'll, and they'll make that decision in five minutes. I'm like, how, why not spend, why not invest a hundred grand in your top hundred relationships? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you'll invest a hundred grand over here and make the decision in five minutes. You won't invest the same amount of money in the people that allow you to have a business or an organization. It's still like, it, it's, it's flipping the script and making people understand that they're willing to invest over here, but not over here. And it doesn't make any sense because those people, those donors, those, employees lie to even have a company. And so it's not spending more money. It's, it's being the David and saying, I only have a few, you know, smooth stones. I need to be really accurate and really thoughtful with what I'm going to do with these dollars. Hmm. If I'm going to compete with publicly traded or larger organizations and, and being, you know, like Cameron's a great example. I want all of my clients to be salespeople for me. I can't hire them, but I can inspire them to go out and advocate and be what I call actively loyal sales rep for my brand. You know, I, guys like Scott Harrison, I can't buy him, but I can love no. on him. And if he wants to, if he feels inspired, he'll go out and open doors. And he's done that. So we have literally hundreds of people out there that are selling on our behalf that aren't on our payroll, but I do, they are on our love roll. Like I, I love on them consistently, no strings attached and good things t- tend to happen. And that's what really what we're teaching people to do. But the Brooks Brothers is just an over the top example of that. I know we're coming up on time and I want to get to a couple of other questions in a lightning round, but I think if I remember it correctly, John, um, you weren't out seven grand at the end of the day either, were you? Because he didn't take all of the clothes. You could bring them back. Just tie a bow on that story. What, what happened in the end? Yeah. So I risked the seven K he came back and said, John, I can't take all the clothes. He said, so one of two things are going to happen. I'd have to buy like five things of luggage, take all the clothes home. I picked out what I wanted. Either you're going to tell me how much those clothes were and I'm going to write you a check for that. Or I'm going to round up by what I think they cost by 50%. He said, the act of what you did for me, putting yourself out there in the time and thinking about making it all about me and personalizing it to me and what I wanted and making it so easy, that was the gift. So that first volley, all the other stuff cost money, but that first volley actually cost me $0. But it was the act of generosity and being radical with it that inspired him to come back and be like, no, you can't buy the clothes too. I'm, I'm paying for the clothes. That's fantastic. Okay. Uh, one of the things you recommend is not to give at Christmas and so on and so forth or year-end giving yep. to top clients. Tell me why. It's, um, 
as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a pastor, we're all stewards of the dollars and we want to invest a dollar, you know, talents, whatever else we want to get $10 back or $5 back or $3 back. And between Thanksgiving and Christmas, especially in Western society, we're overloaded with, I mean, 50 things are on our conference table and we're, you know, a lot of people are eating and drinking themselves to death and they're stressed out. It's year end. They're shopping. It is the noisiest time on the planet. And you want to send your thing, you know, hey, we made money this year. We should probably say thank you to our employees, our clients, our partners, whatever. Even a sucky gift that shows up in the middle of March, just because will have a hundred times more impact than an amazing gift in the middle of December. So as a agency, like most companies and really all retailers make all of their money between like November, December. But as an entrepreneur, I won't allow clients to order anything between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm like, hey, we should be loving on people once a quarter, but never at expected times. Not at anniversaries, not, I call it no ABC gifting. No anniversaries, no birthdays, no Christmas. And when you can show up for people just because I was thinking of you, the other person's like, I didn't refer business. I didn't sign a deal. It's not my 10 year anniversary. You're sending this to me just because. It melts their face off because it's such an unusual thing to do in business is to say, I appreciate you as a human being and I'm sending this to you just because, not because it's Christmas or any other reason, but the holidays, the people that do that literally are lighting billions of dollars on fire because it's all of that stuff, 90% of it ends up either in the trash can, re-gifted or forgotten about because it's coming at the wrong time. Yeah, and when you got 17 fruit baskets, what do you do with it, right? When you're in that place. Okay, last word, anything else you want to share with leaders about gifting? The good or the bad? Well, I, I think that um, as leaders, we're, we're almost everybody has a plan, right? For whether it's our finances or a marketing plan or a business plan, a workout plan, an eating plan. Like leaders in general are pretty intentional, or they're inspired to be. A lot of them are. And I, I ask all the time, which you know, like if if your business or organization rises and falls on relationships, what's your relationship plan? And most people, it's a deer in headlights when you ask them that. And I'm like, if you don't have a plan, go steal ours. We charge tens of thousands of dollars to do it for companies, but you can go go to giftologysystem.com. You can download our like framework, our blueprint, our recipe of how to think about a relationship plan, who you're giving to, what the timing, how much, what's the budget, what should you be investing? What's well, a percentage? It's like a reverse tie. It's 10% of net profits back into the relationships. So what I would inspire people to do is go steal something that we took 20 years to do and then like be intentional with it and say like, if relationships matter, we got to identify the people. It might be 10 people. It might be 10,000. You know, who got us to where we're at? Who's, who do we have to invest in to get us to the next, the goal that we have in five or 10 years, but be intentional about how you're loving on those relationships and map it out just like you would any other part of your business or your organization and I always challenge people, do this at this level and then, you know, for three years and come back to me and tell me it didn't pay like a 5X, a 10X, a 100X. Because when you pour into relationships, they flourish. If you don't, somebody else will and they, they will go somewhere else. Fantastic advice. So if people want to know more, the book is called Giftology. It's available everywhere books are sold. Yeah. Where can people find you? I would say um, Giftology Group is our core website. Uh, if they want to follow us on Instagram at John Rulin, uh, you know, R-U-H-L-I-N. 
but uh, Giftology Group is our is our core site for speaking and consulting, and then the uh, the done for you gifting services. So um, that's a great hub to uh, to dive into and kind of branch off from there. Fantastic, great conversation, John. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Carrie. This has been a lot of fun. Well, you're probably going to want to drill down on some of the ideas that John shared. And of course, we got show notes for you, including transcripts. You can find that over at my website. Go to kerryneuhoff.com. You can just do kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 453. That will get you directly there. And uh, next episode, we've got Scott O'Neill. He is the former CEO of the Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils and author of the new book, Be Where Your Feet Are. Here's an excerpt. I want things to go perfectly all the time. Okay, that mm. that's a quirk. Okay, and that's and I don't say that with any source of pride because that that's not a that's not an attainable bar, you know. Right. I expect right. like a passion level that is sometimes unreasonably high, and a commitment level that's mm. sometimes unreasonably high. I will call people out and up regularly and put them on the spot. So so I have a lot of things that don't work for everybody. Mm. I just don't. We go all over the place, and I'll tell you, it's a fascinating conversation. Also coming up, Jessica Jackley, AJ Harbinger, and Johnny Zubak from The Art of Charm. We've got Dave Hollis, Ken Coleman, Nikki Gumbel is coming back. Ian Cron, he's a regular around here. We love him. Donald Miller is stepping up. Mark Sayers and a whole lot more. All that is happening in the next few months. Subscribers, you get that automatically for free. Hey, we want to thank our partners on this episode, Belay. You can get their free resource, 10 Tactics to Boost Productivity, by texting my name, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, to 55123. And Remodel Health, use the code Carrie50, C-A-R-E-Y 50 at remodelhealth.com slash analysis to learn how much your team can save by switching to a brand new way to do healthcare benefits. Well, uh, I want to thank everybody who has been behind my book launch as well. At Your Best has done extremely well out of the gate. The five-star reviews are so encouraging. And I got to tell you, me and my team are hearing every day from people who are saying, took me a day or two to get through the book, that's it. Which honestly, as an author, is a shock. I thought it was going to be like a week for people to read the book. Uh, You guys are doing it in one or two days, and you're seeing instant results, like freeing up massive amounts of time in your life. If you haven't checked it out, go to atyourbesttoday.com. There's also a little masterclass that you can get for a small fee. And then at the end of the year, watch for it. We're going to be releasing a full course of productivity material that never made it into the book that can really turn you into a productivity pro and make 2022 even better. So look for all of that over at atyourbesttoday.com. The book is widely available. Thank you so much for all the encouragement, all the support. And if you want to find out more of what I do, just head on over to kerryneuhoff.com. I've got an email, which you can sign up for there at kerryneuhoff.com slash email that we send out to about 83,000 leaders every day. And it's just a little nugget of leadership wisdom, usually links to a bigger resource. And if you want to get a bit of a daily dose of leadership, you can do that at kerryneuhoff.com slash email. Thank you so much for listening. I hope our time together today has helped you thrive in life and leadership. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.